Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. A note of warning. This podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes strong language. It therefore may not be suitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. Welcome to True Crime Daily, the podcast. I'm Billy Jensen. This is Owen Michael bringing you our weekly True Crime Daily podcast for the week of February 21st, 2019. And this week we're covering cold cases, DNA tests, and genealogy websites, one of my favorite topics in the true crime universe, a horrifying adoption case of Grace, pa- Grace Packer in Pennsylvania. But first up, though, we have a triple murder in Michigan. We do have a triple murder in Michigan this week. Uh, just came out uh, we, we're getting some uh, new details and information as we go. A woman and her three daughters were found shot dead in Michigan on Monday, about 30 miles north of Grand Rapids in kind of a rural area of Michigan. Um, the Kent County Sheriff says Aubrianne Moore, who was 28, picked up her two older daughters, eight years old and six years old, from school and took them out to lunch with the youngest daughter, her third daughter, who was two years old. Um, investigators say she then took the girls to a wooded area after lunch and shot each of them with a bolt-action hunting rifle. Then she um, drove. She put the, the girls' bodies in her vehicle and drove right down the street to another location, which was her boyfriend's house, and she turned the gun on herself. Her boyfriend found them. And uh, it was his rifle. The youngest girl was actually his daughter, and they were That's all right. in the vehicle. In 2018, the girl's mom, she was involuntarily hospitalized and diagnosed with unspecified schizophrenia. So I guess she was 5150 and psychosis, but was not determined to be a threat to others. And she was discharged at the end of September. So who knows? You know, I always wonder about the discharge. You know, you don't want to speculate, but this is one of those cases where you have to look into it. What happened? Was there follow up? You know, the way that we deal with mental illness in this country is usually an abomination. And this could be what happened. And, uh, you know, was there follow-up? Was she on our meds? Was there, you know, consistent follow-up when you discharge these people? Because if you're involuntarily hospitalized, if you're 5150, if they say this person is a threat to somebody or society or whatever or a threat to themselves, 
and you put them in a hospital, you're not going to get ready and, and get fine within. You we know, should say fifty one fifty is the official law enforcement uh, yes. designation for being hospitalized against your will. It's also a title of a Van Halen album. But Indeed, we, but uh, you know, I figured maybe that uh, that's another thing. That maybe is outside of uh, yes. half of our audience's half of our uh, audience. me- memory. The YouTube audience does not remember the the. There were some red flags uh, though. Uh, she there were red flags, but. She was not deemed to be a potential harm to herself or others uh, when she was released. She there were reports though that she was uh, she thought that the girls were in danger. She said the TV told her that there was going to be a school bus accident one particular day. Um, she apparently wasn't sleeping much because she was paranoid that there were people trying to break into her house, um, and she thought her food was being poisoned. So these are sort of some of the classic hallmarks of yeah. uh, of, of schizophrenia and that and kind it, of thing. You know, there was no record of child abuse. There was no indications that anything was wrong when she picked. The, the girls up from school, but again, it's there were there were warning signs there. There were red flags, and taking them out to lunch almost seems sort of ceremonial. Like I know this is going to happen. Obviously, yeah. you, you know, it seems like there's some premeditation here, but uh, we're going to have a nice lunch together, spend the day together. This area where this happened was kind of a like I say, it was rural. It's in a kind of a wooded area. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tragic, and you, see, and you see that a lot. I remember that that guy that killed his son in the uh, Los Angeles area. I think he ki- he took him to Disneyland. That's right. Remember that case, and then he brought him up. Um, he gave uh, him a whole day north of north of L.A. and then then buried his body up into uh, the Santa Barbara yeah. area there. Yeah, and that was uh, that was to get revenge on his wife. Yes. Um, obviously, well, I shouldn't say obviously. It seems like there's a little mental imbalance going on there, but that was a, a, a separate <clears throat> thing. But killing your kids and convincing yourself how to do that uh, may be the difference here between uh, psychopathy yeah. and uh, and and schizophrenia so and, it's and, a and follow story. up this, this is you know when we talk about true crime we talk about what you know oh there's no uh, there's no more serial killers like there were in the 70s and everything like that these the the, the psychopaths or the sociopaths have turned into something else and it's because there's a lot more guns around and the idea that you can you can get a higher body count so there's there's this woman killed her family. She easily could have gone and been a female serial shooter and shot up a school or something like that. It's the way that we deal with mental illness in this country is not good. There's no or very little follow up. I would like to see what happened in this case as far as what the follow up was. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's hard. It's hard to police, you know, 300 million people. Um, you true. Know, there, true there enough. Are some of them that do have mental illness, but there's no silver lining here no, whatsoever. But no. the, the fact is that she seemed like she was trying to protect them. And we're going to I'm going to take you all to a safe <laughs> place rather than take out my miseries on the world or yeah. something like that. You know, it was a, it was a protective thing. But uh, it's a tragic story. All right. In slightly happier news, we have another person ensnared in the familial DNA web. This started with Joseph D'Angelo, a case that I've covered a lot. Also known uh, as? The Golden State Killer. And? Allegedly the Golden State Killer and the East Area Rapist right. and the original Night Stalker. Right. He was caught with familial DNA. He was the first. Uh, there have been now the first? close to 40. Yeah. Well, the Canal Killer in Phoenix was actually, he was zeroed in on because they got his last name through a familial database, and then they took the last name and were able to look at the list of suspects and said, oh, there's a Miller right there, and then they narrowed it down like that. But doing a one-to-one... As far as the site. Doing a one-to-one thing and using the sites. Yeah, yeah. yeah, He was really the first. So um, this is a Minnesota cold case. The um, Her name was Jeannie. Jeannie. Jeannie Ann Child. She was 35. She was found stabbed to death in her in her Minneapolis apartment in 1993. And the murder scene was an apartment in an area known for prostitution. She had multiple stab wounds. She had, you know, there were there was blood covering all the walls. 
a, a very bloody scene. Bedroom, uh, living room, bathroom. The bathroom flooded as the shower was left on. And there were finger, palm, and footprints found in the apartment. But... but. And there was DNA left at the scene, but they couldn't find anybody. Something that I'm struck with, too, is that, you know, we think about the, the, the shortness of this. But 1993 seems like on my radar that we were already doing solving crimes like this. But we take it for granted. The, the DNA thing basically, you know, was on the map. But as far as identifying this stuff, you can well, you need it. You need you need another sample. So if there was another sample in the system, so you're going to go through uh, you're going to go through the database and they hadn't built a database by that time. Right. Probably they were doing when they were solving stuff with DNA, they were saying, we think this guy did it. We think Owen Michael did it. It's like matching. Give me your prints. give me your DNA. Right. And then exactly. we're going to match one on one. It wasn't this this sort of we have a haystack and we're going to go looking for it, you know, which is which is the reason why it's so exciting for stuff like this. So it's a haystack with distinguishing characteristics. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a lot. So a Minneapolis homicide detective and an FBI agent reopened the case in 2015 because of advances in DNA testing. Which a lot of cops are doing these days. Uh, Which we love that, and Mm -hmm. more cops need to be doing it. And they ran the DNA from the murder scene through a public online genealogy site. They didn't specify the site, but I'm sure it was GEDmatch, because that's the biggest one out there. Again, you cannot use... 23andMe and you can't use Ancestry.com. If you want to be involved in this kind of thing, what you need to do is get your DNA done, spit in the tube, get it from 23andMe and Ancestry.com. Then you have to take that information and then put it into GEDmatch. And we'll actually put, we can put uh, Why the is instructions this, is on this, how to do is that. Is this a, like you did uh, 23andMe, right? I did both, actually. Um, and so is there a privacy issue? It's like, a privacy issue. It's the, it the can't be the, shared with law enforcement. The terms of the, the terms of use for those two companies are, are because of that. So uh, but is GEDmatch strictly Jed, for law enforcement? No, or no, no. would I sign up for it? No, GEDmatch is G-E-D kind of like genealogy genealogy website uh, aficionados or people that are really into trying to figure out who they're from and where they're from and everything like that. So um, that's mm, what was used okay. for Golden State Killer. That's what's being used for everything, and that is an open site. So um, they indicated when, when they did this, they indicated that a man named Jerry Westrom was a possible suspect. So they track Westrom down and they follow him to his daughter's hockey game in Wisconsin. So it's hockey country. And his daughter they, plays hockey, which is wonderful. Which is great. They grab a napkin that he used after uh, that he threw in the trash after eating a hot dog. The rule number one. Any self-respecting hockey fan is going to use his sleeve. He's not going to use a use a napkin. So I'm glad he got caught with that. I feel like hot dogs are not really the right uh, thing to eat at a hockey game. Anyway, besides, who eats at a hockey game? I mean, we live in L.A. There's the Kings is a little bit more luxury. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, honestly, beer no, and peanuts. A high know? school a high school hockey game or a, or a, or a pee wee hockey game in Wisconsin. I don't know how good the food is going to be there though. But that's what they did, and that's what you have to do once you get this match. You, and this is what they did with D'Angelo. They had to, they had to at the, the Golden State Killer case, mm-hmm. they had to follow him around, and they were waiting for him to come out of his house. And he actually didn't leave for a while. They followed him to um, two ways. First, they got a little bit of DNA, but it wasn't good enough when he went to Hobby Lobby. And then he got a, um, they got him, he threw out a, a, a tissue in, in his garbage, and then they got it, and then they matched it up. What, uh, what kind of DNA did they find at the Hobby Lobby? Do you know offhand? I think it was off his uh, car. Something along those lines, mm. yeah. So, and we've seen a lot of these cases. Most famously, Lonnie Franklin, who they had gotten already, they got it off of a pizza crust. Now, he was the Grim Sleeper case, which was That's a, a serial killer. F- famous yeah. L.A. case, and uh, they actually had undercover cops working as busboys in this restaurant because they were tracking him, and he basically threw away a, a pizza crust that he had eaten, and they, they got his DNA yeah. off of that way. But they never identified, they never said, in fact, that was, what, 2014, 2015? Yeah. It was several years ago. Um, and we've even 
got more advances since then. This one in particular, they matched him right away as soon as they mm-hmm. got the, uh, the napkin on this one, and they've been pretty public about it. Yeah. So he was arrested at his office about 75 miles from Minneapolis. He's 52 now. He appeared in a Minnesota courtroom last week with his wife and children and 20 other supporters who showed up to support him. And? And uh, members of, of the victim's family, uh, Jeannie Childs, were also at the hearing. He has a he has an well. He claims he has an alibi. He said uh, he didn't know uh, Jeannie Ann Childs, and he says that he never had sex with any women in Minneapolis in 1993. Um, well, 1993 is a long time ago. Yeah, uh, maybe he went through. You know, who, who can say? But uh, that's his alibi so far. He doesn't know uh, how he could have gotten mixed up in this. Right. But uh, science is science. He did post five hundred thousand dollars bail though, and was released and. His next court date is in March. His lawyer said, uh, you know, the guy's been living in Minneapolis for uh, for decades. He's not a flight risk. So, you know, the court obviously took that into consideration. Yeah. I don't know. Do, do you have any uh, uh, feeling? You on know, I mean, it was, a, it was a it's single a case. I, I don't think I would like to see where they got um, the, the DNA evidence left at the scene. It's actually very important that he stated that he did not have sex with any women in Minneapolis in 1993 because that means that the idea that he said – if he was going to say that if she was a sex worker and he was one of his clients, her clients from beginning early in the day, he could have used that as a, as an example. And he could have depo- him off. He, he deposited some some right. semen in her. She she uh, went off and had a couple other dates, and then one of those killed her. That was going. You know, but him coming right out and says this that throws that out the window. So Which now is a poor it's, legal argument. Yeah. Yep. It, even, yeah. if, even if you're going to lie about it, mm-hmm. exactly. Well, so lawyers, uh, usually you know. Lie. But I mean, the one of the things that I keep thinking is that. So we've gotten since April 25th of last year when we it was announced that that Joseph James D'Angelo was was captured. We've gotten almost 40 now uh, that we've been ensnared with DNA. And these are all cold cases. These are all older cases. And our public service announcement for today is if somebody that, you know, at work or a family member just decides to leave the country. This is going to happen because these guys are scared. Mm. Remember, there's 215,000 unsolved murders in America since 1980. Every one of these people who have been involved particularly in a sex crime, uh, not necessarily a gun crime, but some sort of a sex crime, an up-close crime, they're sweating right now. And they're thinking it's only going to be a matter of time before they get to me. We, we've had two just uh, this week uh, alone. And I, I wasn't familiar with either one of these cold cases. But uh, one in particular, there was a... Uh, the one in Newport. Uh, James yeah. Allen Neal for the unsolved murder of a uh, Newport Beach girl. Uh, I didn't write her name down, unfortunately. Uh, she was uh, kidnapped and found dead the next day in Newport Beach, California, which is an extremely affluent area of uh, south of Los Angeles uh, in 1973. Uh, and then there was another one, uh, Edward Donnell Thomas was uh, arrested in Pomona, another L.A. suburb here, both Southern California joints, uh, for an unsolved 1990 murder of uh, an 11-year-old boy, William Tillett, who was kidnapped and killed in Inglewood, which is a, uh, yet another suburb of Los Angeles. They didn't specify any details, but uh, Inglewood police did say this week that they they – made this arrest based on old evidence and advanced technology. So yeah. it sounds like it's, it's uh, that. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's related uh, the, to that. The girl from the, the story in Newport, her name was Linda Ann O'Keefe. Thank you. And she was, they did something very interesting with her case too. The police department last year 
got on Twitter and actually started telling her story in her own voice. And this has been done a couple times before. That coupled with, there was actually a couple students who had gotten involved in the case and really was trying to push it forward. And think about that. Think about what you did 45 years ago for any of our listeners who might be that old. Uh, 1973, can you remember anything? I mean, that's a long time ago, you know? And this guy, is he remembering every day when he took this girl uh, when when she was walking home, when she vanished, when she was walking home from, uh, from summer school? These guys are sweating, and look out for them. Any any extra perspiration on any of your coworkers who might be of a certain age, anybody that's planning trips and not going to come back, I'm telling you, this is going to happen. We're going to start seeing a lot more of this. That is something I hadn't thought of, and uh, you make a great point there. So, uh, you know, yeah. keep that in mind. No, people. don't use it as a, a travel agency idea for you, because I know you like all of your get-rich <laughs> I do have schemes. several travel agents that I still uh, use on my Rolodex. No, but I, but I was just thinking, like, you would telephone. start a travel agency for, did you get in trouble in the past? I, look, and, and you know, I'm an entrepreneur, or I haven't been yet, but... Uh, All right, let's... There's an That was a, a good, obviously a bad story that turned into a good story. We're going to see a lot more of those, but um, we, we're getting to the, our last story of the day, which is Grace Packer, uh, a Pennsylvania man pled guilty this week. And it's a gruesome case involving an adopted daughter a foster mom, and this unspeakable sexual fantasy. Owen, you, you take this one. <sighs> yes, this one is uh, is pretty awful, but uh, there's a small measure of justice uh, developing now. Um, Grace Packer was a 14-year-old girl. She was killed in, in uh, 2016. She was beaten, raped, bound, and gagged, and left to die in a, in a hot attic in, uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, outside of uh, north of Philadelphia. By Jacob Sullivan. Uh, Sullivan came back the next day. She was left for dead in this uh, in this hot apart. Uh, excuse me, in this hot attic. He found her still alive, and then he strangled her. Uh, it's alleged that uh, he and his girlfriend, uh, who was Grace Packer's adoptive mom, Sarah Packer, uh, they both stored uh, this girl, Grace. They stored her body in cat litter for months. Then they dismembered her and they dumped her in a remote area where hunters found her in October of 2016. Yeah, and the cat litter thing, I've seen that before. Uh, Terry Rasmussen, remember the Allenstown 4 case? We know that he killed them. He had actually killed somebody in uh, a woman named Ansoon June who he had, had, a, who he had married married put in quotes because it wasn't actually legal, but they did have a ceremony. And when the officers got to his house and were searching for her because she had gone missing, they found her under, I think it was 75 pounds of kit, kitty, kit litter, kitty litter. So that's what, you know, because it does mask the smell. That's the entire thing for kitty litter. So that's why he did that. And they think that he was sort of ha- just had her there in the same way these guys did. They were trying to mask the smell with the kitty litter. Right. And then eventually they would uh, dispose of the body some way. So the so as if that's not bad enough, uh, and it is. It's it's horrifying and it's awful. Um, apparently, this whole thing was part of a rape murder fantasy that they shared together, Jacob Sullivan and Sarah Packer. The other thing is Sarah Packer was basically a professional adoptions person. She was a, she was a foster mom. She'd cared for dozens of children with her first husband who went to jail for abusing two of the girls, one of whom was Grace. So how does that happen? She was also a county adoption supervisor in this area of Pennsylvania before she lost her job due to her husband. You know, that's sort of a, 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 it's a horrible black mark uh, on, on the record there. Uh, but she still had uh, custody of Grace when this, when this happened. 
She's uh, she's going to testify against Jacob Sullivan. She's already taken a plea deal, and she's going to serve life in jail. And Sullivan, who's 46, he pleaded guilty this week. Um, he, the jury's de- trying to, they're going to determine whether he faces a death penalty or life in, in jail. Uh, we will see how that how that goes. But uh, yeah, this is a, a catastrophic, a colossal failure of the adoptive system. Yes. And I hear a lot of. Um, horror stories uh, of this stuff you know I, I know a couple of social workers and um it's i don't know what the solution is there's it's so there's so many horror stories like this across yeah. the across the country more oversight it's two stories two out of the three stories are, are follow-ups and oversight that we just did so all right we have an update and then we'll get into comments the update is remember the tiger i do remember the tiger all right the tiger who the was tiger, actually by the way for some background are you Go ahead. Sure, we can. Okay, so the tiger that we talked about last week, a guy broke into a house in order was to smoke weed. actually a woman. A woman broke it into a house. woman. I, I saw the thing. Okay, a woman smoking, uh, broke into a house to smoke weed in, in Houston. Houston, and she found a tiger. And she uh, called the police, which was nice of her. But the tiger, who's nicknamed Tyson after the movie The Hangover, mm-hmm. uh, was discovered in the garage of this abandoned home. Um, we wanted to let you guys know that it has been transferred to the Cleveland Armory Black Beauty Ranch in Murchison, Texas. So, like uh, where you go, the dogs go to uh, the farm. It has a five. Uh, a- it's five acres, naturally wooded habitat. There's 800 other lovely. animals, including two tigers. So, the good news is, is that Tyson. This is a happy ending. Still story. Still don't know why the owner left this yeah. tiger in a cage in the garage with food. By the way, it was not yeah. like this uh, tiger was emaciated. It was kind of chilling. Yeah. Um, uh, and again, we don't know whether there are charges yet uh, for this good Samaritan who uh, had, did nothing nothing wrong other than breaking into an abandoned house to smoke weed I agree. with their friends. All right, so the last thing, a disturbing trend, the 48-hour challenge. What is it? Why are kids so stupid? I'm not a parent. Uh, I'd like you to speak to that particular mm-hmm. uh, thing. The, the basic outline is we have had a series of challenges, social media challenges over the years. Some of them have been good, like the, uh, the Ice Bucket Challenge, which uh, raised money for, uh, for a good cause. Um, this one, we've also had the, the Kiki Challenge where, you know, you may have seen this online, uh, somebody filming themselves getting out of their car to dance to the radio as the mm-hmm. car moves along slowly. That was a bad getting, one. Uh, getting various ones of this. This one uh, is a little more um, forensically uh, mm-hmm. designed. This one it challenges uh, teenagers or kids or whomever to remove themselves from the, the from their family or the public or whatever for about 48 hours uh, to basically get themselves missing. And they get points for every time uh, there's a news report or a social media uh, plea for information, whereas a child, please, you know, uh, my child is missing. Ha ha. Ha ha. Uh, So, uh, you know. It's awful. Um, I don't know if I'm. Am I? No, no that's that pretty properly? good. No, that's good. So, True Crime Daily, we've got one of the b- biggest, most active Facebook communities, and a lot of people had a lot of things to say about this. I got a case that will make you go missing because I'll beat my kids' ass for disappearing for two days and CPS will make them disappear. There's a lot of angry parents there when they heard this. Mm. Um, Yeah, your name's definitely going to show up on social media when I'm done with you. Uh, Become a missing person uh, for Facebook likes, Jesus people. Please stop buying iPhones for your 12-year-olds. At least when I was a teenager, we did stupid stuff for fun and not for Facebook likes. Which... 
Okay. Just smash pumpkins on Halloween. Yeah, I guess it's something like that. So, it was a challenge. And another person said, let the kids pay restitution for all man hours wasted on this nonsense. Let's hope this goes the way of all the other challenges like the bird box challenge and all that stuff. And uh, Hopefully it's old news by the time, uh, by the time, by the, by the time you're reading this or, yes. or, or listening to this. Yes, exactly. So... That is it. That is all we've got. Uh, if you want to hear any more information about any of these crimes, we post a lot of them on TrueCrimeDaily.com. Go to our Facebook page. You can check out our Twitter. It's all True Crime Daily. So until next week. We've also is... got long-form oh. uh, true crime coverage uh, on YouTube. Oh, that's uh, true. No, that's you right. To check YouTube that page. stuff out. Right. Uh, we've got uh, a wealth of uh, You stories might be watching this on YouTube right now. Indeed. So until next week, this is True Crime Daily, the podcast reminding you. Don't do crimes. Don't do crimes. Because you'll get caught and we'll talk bad of you bad about you in front of everybody. So I'll see you next week. Don't do crimes. Yeah.